0: Ready for the word? I got things to teach this morning. It's going to be an interesting study. Amen. Hallelujah. Ready for the world? Hold somebody's hands. Lift them up. Let's say this together. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we receive revelation. We receive accuracy. Receive precision that is found in your son. We say there is no contradictions. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can behold you. As we see ourselves in him, your name alone is glorified, and we are edified. Amen. 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 No, don't sound like you're cold. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, we're continuing our series. on. We'll change the title. I think we've changed the title from you are not born a sinner to are we born a sinner? We are not asking a question. Are we born sinners or are we born a sinner? Hallelujah. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever. I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So this was Jesus giving his disciples an instruction and telling them to go and make disciples. So making disciples is the responsibility of every member. It's the responsibility of every Christian. A believer must know that his responsibility is to make disciples. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring, break it down in a, in a proper, in a, in a clearer English us. Making disciples is like reproducing yourself. So the best way I will explain it this morning is can you reproduce yourself? Reproduce the way you are listening to me this morning. Reproduce the way you are studying, your, studying the scriptures. Reproduce the way you are attentive in the local church. Reproduce the way you are going out for evangelism or prayer. Reproduce those little bases of way. So we, you must ask yourself those questions as disciples. And we say, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So the responsibility is to make disciples. And we say that word, go, is a consistent word. It's a consistent action. Go is a consistent word. It says, go to all nations, teaching them. That word teaching them is the Greek word, um, Didaskalo, that is you breaking down the scriptures for them, um, explaining the, to them, teaching them to do all things that I've commanded. So our responsibility is to teach men the gospel. See my responsibility. You're not saying like you mean Is to teach men, to teach men the, gospel. the gospel. That's your responsibility. So you can't, and you can't teach men if you don't know what the gospel is about. You can't teach men if you don't know what the scriptures is about. You can't teach men if you don't understand what the Bible is talking about. And we said, the best way to understand the Bible is to understand that the Bible was written, as sister the six books, and we said, it's broken into Old Testament, New Testament. And we said, it's a piece of literature and... Every writer, about forty authors, over a thousands, over thousands of years, wrote this book. For, for you to understand the Bible, you can't be in a hurry. And we said the Old Testament or the Bible was written in two major language, and that is the Hebrew language, that is which was re- used to write the Old Testament. And we said the Greek language, that's what is re- written to, um, that's what was written for the New Testament. And those language was translated to English. And we said, languages are constantly evolving. So a word may not exist in the language you want to translate it to. So what they do, so let me explain to you how the scripture was written. Because of the way languages is constantly evolving, the word, so... And English language is one of the newest languages in the world. English language is about 800 years. You can do your research. So it's not that old as you think it is. That you speak it every time doesn't mean it is old. No. It's constantly evolving. Um, So that means when they want to translate a word from the Hebrew from the Greek to the English, if that word doesn't exist they will look for the closest possible word to it. So that would mean if I'm going to translate something in the Hebrew and I can't find the best way to explain it probably, or because as at that time when they were translating, it's, the English hasn't evolved to this point. And that's why you will see that there's different translators or translations of the Bible that seem to explain the English better. Some people don't like the King James anymore because they feel like it makes it it makes the the Bible too complicated. Verily, verily, thou seest not. You know, when you start saying those words, you're wondering why did they use those words? We don't use those vocabulary now today's word. Are you seeing it? So that's why they call it even old King James. That is, they've done it so long. So imagine, that is how they speak as at the time they translated the language. Now, if you use the word verily, verily, somebody will be looking at you and wondering, are you preaching? Just imagine you're telling your friend, and you say, verily, 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 I will meet you, I, I I will meet thou in the party tomorrow. You know, they will be looking at you like, what are you doing? Because that word is no more in our vocabulary anymore. Are you seeing it? So that means... When they were translating, languages was constantly evolving, and as languages are constantly evolving, the translators of the language or the Bible didn't have all the languages or all the things or all the best possible words they wanted to use. So what did they do? They put the closest, like saying it's like saying, I want to say, favor is a pig. Instead of say favor is a pig, I'll just say favor, you know, now let, let's do let's do a classroom work. Instead of say favor is a pig, what would I use if I don't want to if pig doesn't exist, how would I describe that word? Favor is dirty. Are you seeing it? That is exactly what it means. But does that now look at something? Dirty and pig, are they not two different words? And you see there are two different words. Do you know that if you pick pig on its own, you have to start explaining pig as an animal, pig as the creature who is dirty, you have to even explain its characteristics. Why dirty will mean another thing, right? That is exactly how it is in the Bible. So that is why you can't study the Bible in a hurry. Let me explain. Let me also give you a teaser. You can't study and understand the Bible on your own. (laughs) You need to be taught. That is why you came to church this morning. That fallacy of study the Bible on your own is not true. It's not true. Right from Genesis, right from the very beginning, God made teachers to teach the scriptures. God made men orators of his word, communicators of his word. You will see Moses explaining to the children of Israel, the word you will see Joshua taking on the baton explaining it what was the functions of the kings in the scriptures they were teachers of the law primarily the work of david jeremiah isaiah all of those guys they were teachers of the law primarily that was why when Jesus would also come, what was John the Baptist doing? John the Baptist was communicating and explaining the scriptures. What was Jesus doing? The Bible says he moved round about Jerusalem, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He took them, he took those disciples and men of his days, 5,000 men to the wilderness, teaching them for 30 days. God has made men to explain his word. So that fallacy of read your Bible and read it on yourself is not true. It's not true. You're going to not... Okay, so we've been talking about context, right? We've been talking about how to study the scriptures in context, right? Now, do you know you can't understand the epistles if you are not in the local church? You can't understand the settings of the epistles if you are not in the local church. Let me explain why. I'm talking when I mean the epistles. I'm talking about Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, and so on. You can't understand those writings if you are not in a local church. You know why? Because the settings of those writings are applicable to members of a local church. They were written to the leadership of the local church. So that means there's a lot to understand when it comes to the Bible. And we said, we go back. Why do we use Greek words or Hebrew words? We go back to the originals to interpret the text for us to understand. We make sure that we go back to interpret the text so that we can understand. So in communicating the scriptures... You and I must understand that a piece of literature, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. So as a piece of literature, every rule of interpreting a text, we apply in the scriptures. So that means... I must understand, we we did some grammatical expressions last week, we said, what does it mean when we say the oldest man has kicked the bucket, right, We we, we asked that question and we said, it could mean two different things, the oldest man has kicked the bucket can mean the oldest man has died, right, the oldest man can also literally kick a bucket, so that we mean. That is the same tone the scripture is written in. You can't take things literally. You have to understand. And that's why you need a good teacher and a good local church. So, Paul said in Ephesians 33, he says, when you read, you pay attention. That means you have to pay attention to the details. Tell your neighbor say, pay attention to the details. You're not saying like you mean it. So now, in studying the scriptures, proper Bible reading will prevent the dangers of building a thought on what the, sta- or what the maker of the statement never intended. How many of you would like to be quoted out of context? How many of you? Let me give you what our context can mean. Imagine you wrote a full sheet love letter to your babe. Hallelujah. Let's say Sister Sharon wrote a full sheet love letter to her babe or to yeah, to her babe or to his babe or to her babe. No, it can't be his babe. <laughs> to her boo. And she wrote in that boo and she wrote in that letter a full sheet like, uh, let me use my notes, let's say like a an entire sheet like this and in between you r- just sneak peeked Into the book, uh, into the something, and you just see, I will kill you with a gun. And you're like, Jesus, Pastor, Sister Sharon wants to kill somebody with a gun. And you don't understand that in the letter, Sister Sharon was writing about a movie she watched yesterday night, that I will kill you with a gun. That was what the person in the movie said. You didn't read the full explanation. That was what the person in the movie said. You just read, I will kill you with a gun. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Do you see that? You are going to make a lot of assumptions. She is writing a love letter, and at the end of it, she even said, I, I dropped my pen in the basket of love. Such that I will pick it back into your heart and espouse it into, into the bosomness of your handsomeness. And I'm mesmerized. <laughs> Let me leave it there. <laughs> she knows what she has written. <laughs> now, imagine that. Then you just went ahead. I just picked the movie she was explaining to Abu. You know, when, when a woman is in love, she talks too much. Well, and I'm so sorry, women, but you know, they just, they just want to say everything. So, she's just communicating her last, her yesterday night movie. Then you now went to call 911. Now, Sister Sharon is about to kill. That is exactly what we do with the Bible. We don't pay attention to reading context. We just jump into conclusion. We just go to one verse and just say, "Oh wow!" And many women were have building him from afar. Which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Say, "Hmm." Many women were building him from afar. Hmm. <laughs> many women were building Jesus from afar. Hmm. See, maybe they liked Jesus. Maybe they were crushing on Jesus. See? But you did not read the other parts. That has been our problem. So, proper Bible reading and proper Bible teaching would explain to us what the writer really intended. So, that means we will not go aside from or beyond what the author was saying. Don't forget, the guys who wrote these scriptures were men like you. And they wrote this scripture not to be quoted out of context. So, we said, Genesis to Malachi is called the scriptures. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The Book of Acts, then the Epistles, Romans, Revelation. And we said the Old Testament is it's referred to as the Scriptures, and its validity is within the confines of the truth of the revealed Word. So we said for us to understand a book, the use of chapters, verses, Commas and italicized words were put for us to understand the words well. In the King James Version, for instance, if you see a word in the italicized, if you see a word italicized, it simply means it was not in the originals. The writers added it. Also, I told us, the use of chapters and verses has complicated a bit of things for us. Actually, it is sweeter to read the Bible in a paragraph. I, sh- I gave you some examples yesterday, last week. Let's, let's do another one. Let's go to Colossians 3. Because chapters and verses are translation issues. It's the translations that put those things in the book so that... We can understand it clearly, but they've done injustice to us. Look at Colossians 3. I want us to read something very well. So now... Are we there? Colossians 3.22. Let's start from 22. I want you to pay close attention to to how the scripture was written. I want you to pay very close attention. Look at Colossians 3.22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but with singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it utterly as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, but ye serve the Lord. But if ye doeth wrong, ye shall receive wrong, which ye hath done, there is no respect of persons. Masters, look at in chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Masters, give unto your servants, which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Do you notice something from verse 22? 22 started with servants. Colossians three, twenty-two started with servants, right? If there should be an ending, it should end with masters. Because it's the same conversation. It shouldn't be another another chapter. Masters and servants are the same conversations. Are you seeing that? It's just like what happened. Put your hands there. It's just like what happened in Ephesians 6. Go there so you can see something in Ephesians. Put your hands in this Colossians 3. One thing is in supernatural competitions, you are going to love the Bible. Just know that one. Ephesians three, Ephesians six, sorry, Ephesians six. Look at something there in Ephesians six, in verse one. I'll wait for you. Ephesians six, verse one. Everybody there? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, which is right. Now look at in verse five. It now says, servants, right? Look at in verse. Nine, it says, and ye masters, same conversation in the same chapter. Are you seeing it? But look at the Colossians three. Go back to that Colossians three, verse twenty-two. He puts servants in verse twenty-two. Then chapter four, verse one, he put masters. Are you that that's an error? So are you see that if you were to read properly, you will start from twenty-two to chapter one to chapter four, verse one. Right then another paragraph will now be continuing prayer. That's another context. If you get into this way, let me see your hands. Okay. Thank you. That's another context. Continue in prayer. Then they now talking about another thing entirely. So that means chapters and verses in translations were to show changes of conversation within the book. But however, it is not the case. They didn't get everything 100%. What they intended, what the translators of the Bible intended with chapters and verses was to show a change of conversation, a new kind of things, but it's not the case in almost in many parts of the scriptures. Is not the case. You know, I've even showed you, I used to show you Genesis. Let's go to Genesis 1 again. We are still coming back to Genesis 1, but let's go to Genesis 1. Let's look at the creation issues. Genesis 1 Are we learning? Yes. All right. Look at in Genesis 1 verse 31. And God saw let, oh we can start from verse 30. Genesis 1 verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the earth and to everything that crept upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every herb of meat which was so. And God saw everything that He has made, and it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished. Chapter two, verse one. Thus the heaven and the earth was finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day He ended His work, and him, which He has made, and rested on the seventh day for what He has made. And God blessed the seventh day and satisfied it, because in it. He had rested from all his work and God created, and God, which God created and made. This should be where it should end. You know why? Because it's a conversation of the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, sixth day, now the seventh day. Are you seeing it? Then chapter two, verse one supposed to begin from these are the generations of the heaven and earth. I don't forget what I just said. That's a new conversation. Because you will look at it, chapter four. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse 1. Look at how it started to show you a new conversation. Chapter 5 verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Are you seeing it? A new conversation. I if, I, if I understand it to this point, let me see your head, Brother. Let me see. Okay, cool. So that means, chapters and verses were to show changes of conversation within a book. But it's not always the case. So that means that we have to properly study the Bible. And that means in reading the scriptures, you have to read the scriptures in paragraphs. And read it as a conversation. In par- so that means when you are reading your Bible, you are paying close attention so you see that, reading the Bible now, you won't, the justice of the chapters won't help you much now. How many of you have seen it? Those justice of putting it in chapters will help you more. You've got to read it in a conversation like, okay, what's this saying? And I can go on and on and give you a lot of scriptures like that. I can go on and on. So that means you read the scriptures in a paragraph. In paragraphs. So that means if you understand how it is written, you will understand that. You have to understand that it's written in paragraphs. You have to understand that it's just like when you are writing a letter to someone, you write in paragraphs, right? Paul will not have written a letter and put verse 1, Dear Church of Corinth, 1, verse 2. They will write it full. Are you getting what I'm saying? It, what happened was the translators were the ones that broke it down, fit it, edit it, make it package like they package everything so that we can be well abreast as a Bible. So now, watch carefully. Watch carefully. So that means the beginning of a discussion will be noted when a conversation switches in the Scriptures. When a Statements, when you see that the words, the way, the, the way the writer is going is switching in a statement, you understand it. So that way, understanding and reading your Bible will be simpler. It will be very easy. Somebody will ask me, "Why am I spending so much time in explaining this?" <laughs> I found out much recently, in fact, much, much recently that we live in a time and world where a lot of people have questions around the writings of the scriptures. So these introductions I'm doing for you is to give you a proper explanation on how to answer people's questions. Another question that you can face will be, is our Bible Perfect. I just showed you the imperfections now. I don't know if i remember just seen it. Are you ever seen it now? I just showed you some imperfections. So the Bible was written in human language. And like I told you, languages are also evolving. So that would mean there will be limitations in receiving other language. I used to explain it this way. I'm a Yoruba boy. There are things I will say in Yoruba that I cannot really explain fully in English. I can give you the explanation, but it cannot match the gravity of the statement. It cannot go well. I will use Sister Ronke, for instance, a name. Ade Ronke. Ade means king. Ronke, I don't know. It's like package. <laughs> oh, oh. Eh? Someone to be careful. Someone to care for. So, a king or a crown to care for. That's deep. <laughs> let's let's keep that one. Let's keep that name. Uh, let me see another name I can use. Um, <laughs> let's use in your day. In your day means bead. In you means beads. You know what they call beads? Or beads. Anade means crown or king. So now, what watch, watch a literal interpretation. The bead on the head of a crown. In you, ade. What a name. <laughs> Too cultural a name. It just means beads around the crown. And you see, the thing does not, there's still no, The the meaning is, The meaning of the name is so so vast. I think it's a literal Europe. I think it's the only of you that might be able to really explain that name. (laughs) 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 To tell you how deep it is. So now look at something. If I was to translate that kind of thing to English, do you know I will not get the gravity of that statement? I don't know if you understand what I just said. I don't even know, you know that I will not be able to get the possible best explanation that the writer was really talking about. That's the problem with Bible study. So, when the writers wrote in Hebrew and Greek, and don't forget we said Jesus spoke Aramaic too. So, Aramaic was taken. Now, watch carefully. That would mean that there will be some words that the translators would not be able to get properly. That's why we now go back to the Greek words. Now I'll give you some example. The word rich or riches in the scriptures. In Matthew 27, verse 57, let me give you, let's let's do a quick study. Matthew 27, verse 57. So I say, Pastor, is this born a sinner? <laughs> I thought we were doing born a sinner. Why are we going through this route? It's part of the born a sinner. Look at Matthew 27, Verse 57. If I joined the Bible, Matthew 27, verse 67, it says, And when evil was come, there was a what? A what? A rich, a rich what? A rich man of Aramatia named Joseph, who's, who himself was Jesus' disciple. And what we say, rich in our today's world, rich simply means abundance of material things. You have money, you have wealth. In Matthew 19, verse 23, Matthew 19, verse 23, Matthew 19, verse 23, then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom. So can we say? Is, are you seeing, wait, now, wait. Before 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 we even get there, do you see the danger of taking things out of context now? You know, if you don't read everything, you're just going to say, no rich man can enter heaven. I don't know if you just understood what would just happen in this Bible text that we just read. If we were not understanding context now, if you literally pick this, Matthew 19, verse now you see, Jesus said unto Israel, verily, verily, that a rich man shall hardly enter into Israel. So that would mean once you are wealthy like this, no evil. I <laughs> you see the danger of taking things out of context. So that would mean that Jesus wants us to be poor and be in debt, since if you are rich, you can't enter the kingdom. So, but you see that if you but if you read the entire conversation, if you read it, you will get what he's saying. I don't even know what I'm I don't even just understand what I'm just what I just explained. Ah, cool. So now we say the rich, right? Now let's go to Ephesians 1. Let's see another thing. Look at another thing the Bible called rich. Ephesians 1 7. Ephesians 1 7. I'll wait for you. Ephesians 1 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to what? The riches of his grace. (laughs) We have seen rich man. We have seen riches. So, does that riches of his grace mean money of his grace, or wealth of his grace, or abundance of wealth of his grace? Are you seeing it? You know what we say, the guy is. I saw him in his riches. It means you saw him in his wealth, right? But now Scripture is saying the riches of his grace. As in fact, I saw on Instagram me brethren. Somebody said, hmm, the rich, Somebody said, since God wants to give us the riches of His glory, can't I start enjoying the riches of my glory now? <laughs> So he said, can't he Is says, he, says, he shall supply you according to the riches of his uh he, say, he can supply you according to the riches of his, of his glory? And so, so he said, that riches of his glory, Lord, why not give me small to start tasting about that riches of his glory now? <laughs> and that's a lot of Bible interpretation, lack of proper Bible study. Now, is says, that's Philippians four nineteen It says, You shall supply all your need according to the riches of his glory. You will also see in Romans 2, verse 4, the riches of his goodness. Hope you know, this is not talking about material wealth. How many of you know? Let me see your hands. Okay. This can't be material wealth. But they use the same English word. So are you seeing that? The fact that these things were written in our language... Has, it means that we have to explain it very well. So that's to show you the danger of assuming a text. Don't assume. You must read it in the conversation. Because this riches of his love is talking about the goodness of what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. In his blood, in his redemption. That is the riches of his forgiveness. How much the splendor of his forgiveness is, is vast. So you see that this is different now from material world. How many of you have seen that? How many of you have seen that? So this now leads us to explain that to understand the scriptures, we must see the scriptures as reading it as an entire conversation. So this leads us to explaining what is sin. Who is a sinner? Is a person born a sinner? And then we said, for us to understand this, we must first start with the question of man. Because if we don't know who man is, from the very beginning, we are also going to make mistake. One thing we will also do in this series, you know we just did riches and rich. One thing we also do in this series, maybe not today, we explain man, that word man, in his fullness. Does man really mean flesh and blood like this? Because there's also assumptions. There's also assumptions to think, when I read a man in Genesis, I read another man in this, he simply means his flesh and blood. Mm-mm. We're going to look at it. You know, we said we can't make assumptions in reading the scriptures. So that means a good reader of the scripture now will be very careful. So are you saying that if you have conversations with people that are not of your religion, and they want to just take your Bible and use your own Bible for debate, do you say that they will make a lot of errors and assumptions? I mean, if you see it. They will make it. So, when you are having conversations with people with other religions, make them understand these basic principles first. There's a way to study the Bible, there's a way to read the Bible. You see that even ordinary from Genesis that we read, the chapters and the verses, we, we already saw that there's already, there's already a problem. And why is there a problem? Anything that touches the hands of man is not perfect. As far as it's in the hands of man, men edited this book. Hope you know, this Bible went through editorial work. It went through a printing press. Hope you know. They went to type it somewhere. They edited the material. The spiral bind it to be a Bible. So, men was involved. Who wrote it? We can list the different authors in scripture, men like you. Who translated it, men like you? So that we mean, we can't assume in a hurry quickly. Since it is just the same way, I don't know, uh, for those of you that probably have done anatomy, I am not a science scientist, but I used to hear that anatomy is one of your toughest courses. For those of you that have done anatomy, Remember if you are anatomy guys here, anatomy people, okay, can you assume in your textbook? No, sir. <laughs> Let me see your if you can assume. <laughs> <laughs> you will just assume yourself to failure. <laughs> Do you know you have to read the entire textbook? You can't assume what chapter four. You know you can't pick anatomy and start from chapter five. You have to start from chapter 1 to understand what chapter 5 is saying. Your, in fact, even your teacher would have been telling you, I expected that they have taught you certain things in high school. <laughs> then, first year, because it's not first, is it first year they take anatomy? I don't know. Is it first year or third year or second year? Huh? First year? It depends on, on your major. Who, which major takes it first year? for not seeing. So when you're even in the class, your teacher is already telling you, I expected that in high school <laughs> you're familiar with some of these concepts. Then gradually, you're walking your way. Let me tell you, I don't know, let me tell you thesis. Because that was one course I hated the most in high school. Because of my teacher. Mr. Ekong. you will never forget it. If you are watching me, sorry, sir. <laughs> you will just come to class. You, 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 stand up. You can give us an equation that does not exist, that looks like tongues. You look at it, you're wondering. Even, even your classmate that is supposed to help you, they are able to tell you, bro, I don't know. I don't know. They, are, they are sitting there, you're saying, give me an answer. Say, I don't know. Everybody say I don't know, and there's always one equation of V is equal to something raised raise to power something. There's a, find, the, find, the, find the velocity. What's my business with velocity? And they say, find this ray of light that transfer from the hemisphere to the centimeter and the perimeter. I think that's your whole field. <laughs> Devilish things. <laughs> but, you know, you can't assume in those books quickly. Imagine you go to chapter 12 of that book and go assume what you have learnt in high school. In chapter 12. You will be confused. Hallelujah. Everyone, if I understand me to this point, let me see your hands. Okay, thank you. You'll be confused. So that is why you can't read the Bible in a hurry. It has to be clear. Now, let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26. We have something yesterday, last week. And don't forget, we, in the course of this year, I'll be mentioning something. The first place sin was mentioned is Genesis 4. Not Genesis 3. Just... Something to put that we will build in years to come, maybe not in this series, but years to come. We'll say, ah, ah. <laughs> we are not going anywhere now. We are day here. <laughs> so there's no hurry. And God said, "Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea." Now, when He created man, look at what it said. He says you have dominion over the fish of the sea, not over somebody in your house, not over your last born. (laughs) He's over the fish of the sea. So that means you go to the river. So if you want to take it literally, go to the river and stand before a fishing pond and say, wow, you don't have dominion over you. That is why I eat fish. I eat salmon. (laughs) No Says, so let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the year, over the cattle. So that means every cow, every ranch, every goat, every pigs, every are they not cattle? You see, you see, if you want to take it literally now, are you see what I'm saying? Okay. Over every cattle, everything that creeped over. So that says, So God made created man in his own image. So, you see, you see the dangers of taking text literally. These things will be explained much later. Not, not in this series. That, the things you have in dominion over, the fish of the sea, the uh, things are supernatural things. He says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created them, And God blessed them. And God said, Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the fire of the air over every living thing that moves upon the earth. We looked at something yesterday and we said that word image, or last week, we said that word image implies. And we said, you can't use image in today's English language because we said image can be PGN, PNG 7048. That can be image, or image 2 on your phone, or your JPEGs, that can be image, or a mirror, your image. Mm-mm. We said image is from the Hebrew of uh, Selem, T-S-E-L-Hem, and it's simply used for idols. And we said they are carved out a physical representation to represent an unseen being. So when he says, God made man his image, it's like saying, God made man a representation. A representation. So that word likeness means a pattern, a shape, a model to resemble him. So we looked at something, we said, you don't resemble God physically. Your nature. Let me explain. The, let me explain that thing. The nature of you being a man is enough representation, and I'm coming to that quickly to help our understanding. We looked at Genesis five verse three, so that means God's intention for man was for man to be like him. So he said he created man in his image. We said, you are in the image of your parents. Yes, sir. We said, the children you gave birth to, or you will give birth to, are in your image. They took your, fo- your shape, they took your face, they took your nose, they took your ears, they took your eyes. So that means, that cannot be What God is talking about as the image. It can't be the physicality. It's only a description. The true image is you. is the man. Not the physical. You know it's not your physical thing that makes you really a man. But it's the you. Your being. Your existence. That's the image. That is why. We, we looked at that idol worship and we said, we use Chiamaka as an example that you will see somebody with an handkerchief or somebody with a doll and person will squeeze it and squeeze it and indirectly they are just squeezing the neck of Chiamaka like that and they are just squeezing it somewhere and they are squeezing the person there and Chiamaka they just turning like this, turning it, turning it, turning it, turn it till a head turns to the back of And then you wonder what happened. Something has happened. Or they use Sister Cheryl for example. And they say, Sister Cheryl, come to church. They shook the eyes. Come to church. (laughs) Come to church. (laughs) Come to church. (laughs) And they just start shooking the eyes like that. And she just say, yeah, yeah. And they are shooking it maybe like, maybe they are in, maybe they are like in um, Texas. You know, Texas is like 20 hours drive from here. So let's say they are in Texas, 20 hours away. And they are saying, and and Sharon is in here in Rochester, twenty hours away, and they're shooking it from somewhere in Dallas. Come to church, come to church, your eyes, come to church. I, 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 I. sister, you, sister, you, my eyes, my you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you notice that that thing that they used is not is just a representation? That's not Sharon. It was only, they used it. I don't know if you have seen movies like that where they used a doll to do evil and the person felt it some way. I do know if you have seen movies like that or you've seen things. Okay, those things are real, low. 100% real. 100% real. Okay. That thing that they did, that, do you notice that they will just say, they will just make that thing and just say, we've made this thing Sharon. And they will do whatever evil they want to do, and do it with that being. And Sharon will be affected somewhere, through just a doll. Are you seeing it? That thing that they used, that's what we call image. It's something carved out. So now, when we say God made man in his image, could that be the physicality of your body? If you are getting into this point, let me see your hands. Because that thing that they used was this Sharon's physical body. But was Sharon affected? Are you seeing it? So when we say God or man is God's representation on earth, it's not the physicality. And we are coming to it carefully. It's not this physicality. It's just an element, a physical element to represent an unseen being. A physical element to represent an unseen being. So that means man in the image and likeness of God means God created a physical, can we say God created a physical element to represent an unseen deity too? Oh, because what is what is with us is beyond our hands our leg, our nose, the reactions within us is within. Hope you know. Hope you know. For you to hit, you think about it. That's you now. Everything is within. So man in the image and likeness of God implies that God's representative on earth will be a man. So this is to tell you that Male and female were also in God's plan. Male, female, were in God's plan. So when he says, be fruitful, replenish the earth, multiply, subdue it, have dominion. The Lord is not just telling you to go and be giving birth. That's not what he means. That word, replenish, means to feel. Mala. To feel. To be full of. That's the word replenish. To be full of. To feel. That was subdue. It implies to overcome. To overcome. And there are restorative terms. That is. Something was wrong. But now it has been made right. If you have listened to a fresh start. I told you. The creation story. Is more of a recreation story. God having to start again. So those statements of replenish. is like saying, look at it too. Look at something. If there wasn't something in its existence, it won't tell us to fill something. You're not thinking. If I say fill this gallon with a water, it means there's a the water. And it means there's a gallon. So when he says replenish fuel, that means there's something to replenish. When he says subdue, is the Hebrew word kabash, overcome? What am I overcoming if there was nothing? So we're going to have to study the creation story again, maybe not this series. He says, have dominion. So, if it was just two people on earth, what are they? <laughs> What's that dominion going to be? Have dominion simply describes a kingdom, a reign, an exercise of an authority. So, the writer's explanation of God's kingdom will be by the image of God. So, what was he doing when he says he created man in his image? And what was the responsibility of that man in his image? To replenish. To subdue. To fill the earth. Right? To have dominion. That is to exercise authority. So, that describes a plan. Then this leads us Because the plan, again, was communicated. Let's look at Adam and Eve. Genesis 2.16. Genesis 2.16. Genesis 2.16. Genesis 2.16. Is it making sense to us, brethren? Don't worry. We're going to flesh it out more. Genesis 2.16. It says, and God commanded the man, saying... Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Hmm. Observe what was said to Adam. We can see that the tree of life in the garden, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the writer has mentioned this earlier. Look at in Genesis 2 verse 9. Genesis 2 9, it says, Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. And good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That word life implies to be alive. So watch carefully. Remember remember something In Genesis 1:28 God said God blessed them and said unto them be fruitful <laughs> Look at verse 28 He has created man who, He has now blessed that man and he has told the man to be fruitful to multiply to replenish the earth, to have dominion over it. Now watch carefully. In Genesis 2, the writer now said, there's a tree of life, there's a tree of the knowledge and good of evil. Then the big question will happen. Did Adam and Eve sin by eating of a tree? Does that mean what happened in Genesis was a physical tree? That they just plucked a fruit. And as they plucked the fruit, they sinned. Look at Genesis 2.8. And God planted a garden eastward of Eden. And he put the man he had formed. And he said, that out of the ground, the Lord grew every that, And the tree of life is in the midst of the garden. So the writer began to describe life good and evil as trees. Let's look at the book of Proverbs. Follow me carefully because the book of Proverbs used a lot of descriptions to explain things for us. Look at Proverbs 3:18. Proverbs 3:18 Are we learning this morning? There's a lot to think about. Proverbs 3, 18. Look at how they, they explained it. Look at something in verse 18. Are we there? he says she is a tree of life. Oh, Really? So that means your baby is a tree of life. Genesis account. It says she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. <laughs> you don't get it. Then look at the verse 13. Happy is that man that findeth wisdom. And the man that geteth understanding. But if you read in that verse 18 tree of life is to them that live upon her and happy is everyone that retain her. Can we say that tree of life is figuratively used for wisdom? Because in verse 19 it says the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth and understanding and he has established the heavens. How many of you have seen it? Alright, look at it in Proverbs 11 verse 30. Proverbs eleven thirty. 30. Proverbs 11, 13. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So again, the action of righteousness is described as a tree. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is what? It is what? A tree, a tree of life. Look at Proverbs fifteen four. Proverbs fifteen four. A wholesome tongue is a what? A tree of life. But perverseness daring is a what? A breach of what? The In the spirit, are you seeing that? Tree of life now from the in scripture is descriptive. It can never be. So if you have not read the entire Bible, if you read Genesis and you see tree of life, you will think it's a physical tree. I don't even know, you know what I'm talking about. But look at what we just did now in Proverbs. Were they talking about physical tree in Proverbs? So can we say what is in Genesis is also a description. I do if you get into this one. Let me see your hands. Can we say what is in Genesis is also a description. Because when you wrote of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it should not be imagined as a physical tree. No. Because a physical tree cannot give life. When they say tree of life, a physical tree cannot give life. So that means the writer was employing a figure of speech called metaphor. A physical tree cannot give life. It's like saying favor is a piglet. You know that statement is not true because a human being cannot be a piglet. But Favor can share the characteristics of a pig, of a piglet, playing in the mud, being very dirty, stingy, It cannot cut. <laughs> so when they use words of like as, as, or has, their are characteristics of metaphor. So now watch carefully. A tree cannot give life. Remember that. So that means that in studying the scripture we must be able to understand that what happened to them is that that tree could not have made them have a problem. It could not have been a physical plucking of a fruit that would have made Adam and Eve be a sinner. Wait, oh. in fact, it's too quick to call them sinners because we are asking a question of are we born a sinner? What did they do? Because Genesis 3 said disobedience, not sin. So, tree is figurative. So, we can say, if Adam and Eve did the right thing, we are going to classify right thing as tree of life, because a tree cannot give life, but it's a symbol of life. Can we say that? We now see the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A tree cannot provide that, but we can say that's another choice that we make. So that means there is life and there is good and evil. A tree that provides good and evil. Watch, watch, watch. This is something you must count down to hear. Let me explain it again. There tree of life. There tree of the knowledge. Hear me? The knowledge of good and evil. Which one did Adam and Eve take? The knowledge of what? Good and evil. They didn't take the one that has life. Because watch you. We said it is not a physical tree, so that means it's a decision. It's a, we can say it's a choice. So that means if they did the right thing, in our next teaching, we're going to look at what did Adam and Eve do? Not today. Not today, so you can't miss service. You, you have to keep enjoying It's the seasonal movie. Say series. Take a dose. (laughs) So I will leave you in suspense so that I'll continue. You know that's how they do it in those series movies. They will uh, those episodes. Is series movie? What they call it? Like money is they will hand it in a place that you will have to click the next one. (laughs) That's how I want to end this today. (laughs) Now when you click on SoundCloud, you just the next chapter four immediately. So, next chapter, I'll be next session, or next episode, we'll look at what did Adam and do, really. You miss, you miss Eve, it's your own job. <laughs> now, watch. And I want you to think. I want to leave you to think this morning. That means if Adam and Eve look at something new, remember we said, ha, I, I, I trust God that you understand this this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Pay attention. If you have been sleeping before, sleep. Just continue sleeping. But if you have been paying attention, pay more now. That means we said the tree is not a physical tree, right? It's a description, Right? So that means Adam and Eve was presented with a choice. They did not choose life. They chose something. And what was the something they chose? They chose a knowledge of good and evil. Watch me. We are going to look at what they did later that made the choice happen. And everything they did, but I'm giving you, I'm giving you like a fast load, a fast thinking. What was those trees called? You know, we looked at Proverbs and we said they are descriptive terms. They are not physical trees, right? It's, in fact, it can not be physical. If, it is they, if they hurt anything physical, they can easily go to the toilet and it's gone and there are no more sinners. They drink water and wash it off. That can be what will make them a sinner or that can be what will make them disobey. But yet this will, they were presented with life for the right thing. And the wrong thing was a knowledge, a knowledge of good and evil, a knowledge of good and evil. So that means, and what did they choose? They wanted to know good and evil. Another question we we'll ask not in this series, as we progress in our Bible study, is what is good and evil that they wanted to know. But not in this series. Because before they can be said to have sinned, they have to have made a choice. Before we could have considered them a sinner, it has to be a choice. Do you know that? Sin is not when you are carrying the action. It's when you have decided to do it. Hope you know. Or, oh, okay, don't worry. You don't know it. We'll study it. So, what choice did they make? They wanted to know good and evil. And that was not the best choice. As we progress, play for me as I close. As we progress in our Bible study and in our series, we will approach more light into the Genesis issues. And we will say, what did Adam and Eve do? Kind of choice did they make that got them a sinner such so that the serpent came to them and said, You will not surely die. He told them the truth. You see, you will just be like the gods, knowing good and evil. Wow. And God now said again in Genesis 3 look at it, look at it, go over to that Genesis 3. God said again in Genesis 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, look at it, Behold, the man is become what? As one of us. To what? No good and evil. Lest he put his foot his hand and also take also of the tree of life that he might live forever. God also now said it that man has become like one of us to no good and evil that good and evil doesn't seem to be the right choice. So what then is sin? (laughs) Since the world today is classified with I'm getting you to think since the world today is classified with both the good and the evil today so what then is sin? What makes a man a sinner? Is every man born a sinner from birth? These are many more we will look at as you progress in this series. So you, but before we change, the, before Sister Florence gave us a new title, we already answered the question from the title, you are not born a sinner. Hallelujah. But it is now your choice also as you go up in life. So either choose life or to choose good and evil. Hallelujah. So, what choices have you made? Life or good and evil? Somebody will say, Wow, what then is? The serpent told them. They deceive them. You can't deceive somebody that already had a plan. It deceived them though. Well, it's like somebody tried to convince you to convince you. Maybe you're like me now. I'm an iPhone user. I can't use Samsung. I don't know how to use it. I have In fact, I've never used an Android phone before. The closest I've done is a tab, a Samsung tab and I used it max one year and and it was not my calling. Now, somebody now trying to convince me that Samsung Galaxy that flips is the best. Is the person is wasting his time. But imagine I've already been thinking about it. I've already been brewing on it. If somebody comes to tell me and say, "So you know, how we believe him. Are we agree now?" Do you know that same thing happened to Jesus in the temptation? Some would think it is physical. No, it's in his mind. Say, turn this stone to bread. Say, ah, no, never. Same way all of us are faced with temptations today. So what is sin? Are we born a sinner? Next meeting, we are going to look at what did that man need do? Clarify things for us. Hallelujah. Are we blessed? Let's lift our hands and let's just thank the Lord. Let's be on our feet thanking Him this morning.